Welcome to the Fair Talks podcast, where we educate everyday people for extraordinary change. I'm your host, Alicia Chan, Executive Director of Fair Trade LA, a community of business members, nonprofits, and fair trade enthusiasts driving proactive, sustainable solutions for a fairer world. I'm also a social entrepreneur with a passion for ending poverty and creating dignified jobs. Together, we'll explore how fair trade changes lives and communities and what we can do to address some of the world's biggest problems right in our own homes. Let's dive in. Fair Talks is brought to you by Fair Trade USA, the organization that brings you the Fair Trade certified label. Fairtrade USA is committed to building an innovative model of responsible business, conscious consumerism, and shared value to eliminate poverty and enable sustainable development for farmers, workers, their families, and communities around the world. And we're back. First of all, if you're listening to this on Wednesday, March 8th, happy International Women's Day. I'm so excited that we are launching the first episode of season three on International Women's Day, a global day marked annually on March 8th to celebrate the social, economic, cultural, and political achievements of women. And who better to bring on the Fair Talks podcast today than a woman entrepreneur who is partnering and empowering over 8,000 other women across nine countries. Today, we have with us Joy McBreen, a global learner who is passionate about creating opportunities for women and girls. She is the founder and CEO of Fair Anita, a social enterprise that strives to build a more inclusive economy for women by providing economic opportunity and dignified jobs through beautiful fair trade jewelry and accessories. They're all about creating sustainable supply chains that center makers and challenge the norms of the fashion industry. They're unapologetically feminist in their approach to creating economic self-sufficiency for women around the world. Fair Anita was started in January 2015, eight years ago, and now sell in more than 1,500 stores and at fairanita.com. Joy has worked with thousands of women around the world using her empathetic nature to understand circumstances and develop creative solutions, including having built a battered women's shelter in Peru and working at a girl-focused middle school in St. Paul. Joy is also currently serving as the president of the board of the Fair Trade Federation, working to expand the fair trade movement while focusing on inclusivity, anti-racism, and decolonizing trade. The Fair Trade Federation is a 501c6 trade organization made up of fair trade enterprise members, both retail and wholesale. Their members partner with artisans and farmers around the world, focusing on the nine principles of fair trade. They have around 215 members who are verified fair trade, and you can learn more about all of them on their website at fairtradefederation.org. We are so excited to share that Fair Trade Federation is bringing their conference and expo to Los Angeles at the end of the month, and we will share more about that here in this episode. Joy is also giving us a discount to shop at Fair Anita, so make sure you stick around until the end for your exclusive discount code. So there is so much for us to dive into today. Thank you so much for joining us, Joy, and welcome to season three, everybody. Yay! Now, before we get into 
this amazing business that you started, Farinita, and your involvement with Fairtree Federation, I want you to take us back to the beginning. I see you spent some time in Peru. Like, how did this whole journey begin for you? What was the moment that made you say, yes, I want to dive into working with women around the world? Yeah, yeah. So excited to be here. Congrats on a third season. Um, I think my story starts pretty similarly to a lot of fair traders. It took me like getting out of my comfort zone and experiencing new countries, new cultures to really recognize some of the inequities that exist as well as, you know, the talent and the beauty and the opportunity and all of that diversity in our supply chains and whatnot can bring us. So ultimately I started in Peru. I went to Peru for the first time when I was like 18, I think. Wow. Right after my freshman year of college. And then honestly, I went there because of my own history of sexual violence. Mm. I was a big nerd. I was doing a lot of like, just like research, albeit probably relatively naive (laughs) research. And ultimately learned that at the time, the reported rate of domestic violence in Peru was the highest in the world at 69%. And of course, if that was the reported rate, actual rates are even Mm -hmm. higher than that. And now I understand more about like, you know, the laws and the government and how they ultimately were like encouraging people to report more than most countries. Anyways, Mm. long story short, I went to Peru because I wanted to work with women who had histories similar to my own. Like Mm -hmm. I wasn't talking about, I wasn't talking to anyone in in the U.S. about my traumatic experiences, Mm. but I knew that I needed to connect and find community in order to heal. There's a Audre Lorde quote that's like, I'm not free while any woman is unfree, even if her shackles Mm. are very different from my own. And I think I resonate Mm. just really strongly with that quote, like just the need for me to heal and grow and process trauma and whatnot. I felt like I needed to be working alongside other women and trying to figure out like, you know, how can we figure out how we can all be thriving, you know? Yeah, that is so powerful. I I feel like you're, you've, truly turned your your pain into purpose and that's what i i love seeing is when people take what they've experienced and like bring beauty out of it and i feel like that's what you've done just by stepping foot in peru and wanting to connect with women there and you worked at was it a shelter you created a shelter there Yeah, yeah. I actually, I started a battered women's shelter with a group of local women Mm. in Chimbote, Peru, and with a social worker by the name of Anita, who Mm. I would later name Fair Anita after. So yeah, I was super lucky to work alongside her and Mm. just learn, yeah, a ton from her. And yeah, that's kind of how the whole thing has blossomed for sure. That's amazing. I I'm always curious about how people come up with their names. So I would I love the story that you came up with Fair Anita and named it after Anita, who you met in Peru. So tell us more about her and how she inspired you to work on economic development for women. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So yeah, that first time that I was in Peru, we built uh, this women's shelter together. First one in the community. The closest one was probably a six to eight hour drive. And of course, people would have the re- need the resources to actually 
leave, likely there's multiple children behind mm. and have money to get on a bus to get, like, it was just, anyways. Yeah. So it was the local community that, that designated the need for this women's shelter. And so mm. we worked together to make it happen in her role as a social worker. And then she was also my host mom while I was living down there. So I got a lot of face-to-face time with her brilliance and big ideas. And we would spend a lot of time like in the mornings and the evenings, Mm. like as we're walking between home visits and things like Mm. dreaming together of how can we change some of these cycles of violence for Mm. victims of domestic or sexual violence and yeah, how to include more women in a formalized economy. Financial insecurity is the number one reason why women stay in abusive partnerships, especially in marginalized economies. Mm. So the goal is like, how do you give women the like the resources they need to make the decisions that are best for themselves in their own lives? And yeah, it's gone from there. I tried to bring my own strengths into our partnerships. I had started my first jewelry company when I was 15. So I was familiar with techniques and the trade and everything, which made it a lot easier to collaborate with existing artisans or sometimes Mm -hmm. to help train in new artisans, depending on the community we're working in. And it's made the the design process and everything a lot more collaborative and fun too. But yeah, Anita now is actually one of our artisan partners. She helps Mm -hmm. lead the cooperative in Chimbote, Peru. And she she actually just FaceTimed, well, WhatsApp videoed me from from uh, the bead market a minute ago. She Aww. was checking in on some color combinations and whatnot. Aww, so I love that. Yeah, yeah, it's been it's been really great. And she just loves that her name is all over, yeah. you know, on all the tags and everything. <laughs> I'm so, sure. Yeah, it's been really fun. It's so do you get to visit her often? Yeah, pre-pandemic, I was there a lot. Mm. Um, I think I've been to Peru probably something like 22 times. Mm. Honestly, I started off the pandemic stuck in Peru, mm. which is a dramatic story I won't go into, but I haven't I haven't been back since April mm. of 2020. So, mm. but I will. I will. Yeah. I'm, I think I'm first hoping to get her up here. Oh, that would be amazing. She's willing to make it happen so yeah yeah we'll see if if we can do that yeah those those relationships are so special I have people that I've known since the beginning in Haiti and yeah those relationships are just so special I love that affair Anita and you say that it's about challenging norms within the fashion industry and creating supply chains in the most most ethical way we can imagine and investing in women. So can you expand on how you're able to do that as a business, especially the part where you say you're challenging the norms of the fashion industry? Yeah, I think part of it, and maybe you have a similar experience too, but I think part of it is not having a a background in retail (laughs) (laughs) and more so like I, I went to school for business, but really, you know, my passion is around women's rights. And mm. so the whole time we've been building this business, it's like, how can we dream up the most ethical way to, mm. you know, create these supply chains to mm-hmm. build this business? And that's what, that's what we've been all about. So ultimately we are a public benefit corporation, which is an incorporation status in the state of Minnesota. Mm. And we report on our impact annually to the state, Mm. which makes us super transparent. You can Mm. see, you know, exactly how much money Mm -hmm. we've sent to different artisan partners, 
I uh, wish every state had that. (laughs) Right? Yeah, I think it's really cool, especially because, you know, there's different organizations. I think with the words sustainability and ethical or whatever being more trendy now too, like Mm -hmm. it's really easy to like support organizations that are greenwashing or fair washing, mm-hmm. but not really know that that's what you're doing. And so mm-hmm. I, I love that ours is just like, it's out in the open. It's yeah. public information, you know, wow. go look it up. We've got it for you there. So, mm-hmm. and we want our customers to feel confident, you know, in where they're, where they're putting their dollars to. Yeah. I think in terms of investing in women, centering makers, we really value the expertise and brilliance that our artisan partners are bringing to our relationship. Mm-hmm. One example of that is in the pandemic, we partner with women in Cambodia and early on, like they, they already knew how to make face masks in, you know, different parts of Asia and Southeast mm-hmm. Asia. It's, it's common to be wearing a face mask. So they already had the patterns. They knew what they were doing. Nice. But we were able to start selling face masks like dramatically faster than mm. any like of the larger companies here. Mm. And I think, you know, that's because like our partners <laughs> mm. had, they had it all figured out. And I don't, yeah. I don't have to like challenge that. I know that they know what they're doing, you know? Yeah. And so um, we were able to get them out really, really quick. Uh, we decided that we were going to donate 100% of all the proceeds from our mask sales. So we were able to donate about $117,000 back to the communities where our artisans live and work. And that was like no strings attached money for our artisan partners to figure out like, what does their community need? Because Mm. while the women that we partner with were well taken care of, you know, like still receiving their payment and Mm -hmm. health insurance and all the different things, you know, they were struggling to see their, their neighbors suffering, you know? And so, yeah, we saw different artisan partners, like putting together a little like food baskets for people Mm -hmm. around the community, or like some of them even bought like oxygen tanks and whatnot, or some would turn their workshops into like COVID relief centers. Anyways, Mm -hmm. just like story upon story of incredible change-making women and like ultimately that's that's what our whole business is about you know that's yeah that's the goal we focus as a as an organization our our motto is like cute ethical affordable Mm -hmm. so we so different than you know your typical fashion Mm -hmm. industry we want products to be made ethically and from sustainable materials but we also want them to be cute and yeah. that people want to buy because they love them, not because of like any form of pity on our artisan mm-hmm. partners or anything like that. And as an organization, we're, we're really striving to make fair trade purchasing more affordable, which is not easy, especially yeah. given, you know, the, <laughs> some of the main principles of fair trade, Yeah, but it involves more work in the design process and using more yeah. recycled materials and knowing which techniques cost more money to produce and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. But that's part of how we're really trying to, to challenge the fashion industry. We're also making almost all of our products from recycled or sustainable materials. We know that it's <laughs> better for the environment. It's yeah. also better for the final cost of the product too. Yeah. Uh, so it's a win-win. We have yeah. a line of pieces that are made from recycled bullet casings. We use a lot of dead stock fabric in, mm-hmm. in different pieces and whatnot. Yeah. Yeah. 
So it, I think those are some of the ways. It really is challenging the norm in that it's centering the makers. It's having them contribute to this process, which is unheard of in the, the way that it's done traditionally. And then also working with what is the local, what are the resources locally? What are the materials available locally? How can we recycle and help make the environment better locally, which is also unheard of in, in the big industry. So yeah, I, I love that. And that is the way we need to go as a whole. And so as you know, this episode will come out on International Women's Day. From your experience, what, yeah, what have you learned about the importance of investing in women as a way to help an entire community? Yeah, International Women's Day is my favorite holiday. I <laughs> love women celebrating women. Yes. I'm like... Let's make every day like this. Yes, uh, and you're literally the perfect person for us to interview and release on this day because you work with so many women around the world. Oh, I'm so lucky. I'm so lucky. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we partner with about 8,000 women in nine yeah. countries, split up into about 19 different cooperatives, all led yeah. by local women leaders in those different communities. And so, yeah, yeah it's been a lot, a lot of, I mean, fun yeah. <laughs> to get to partner with everybody, mm -hmm. but also just so much opportunity for like pride when you see the different ways in which women are creating change in their own communities. Yeah. The, the UN states that for every dollar a woman makes between 80 and 90 cents goes back into her family and communities as opposed mm -hmm. to like 30 to 40 cents by men. Mm -hmm. And that's a global statistic. Wow. And we see the sales of bread and milk increase as opposed mm. to alcohol and gambling mm. when women versus men are involved in a formalized economy. Yeah. And, you know, just anecdotally, I've seen thousands of examples of women using their profits to reinvest back into their communities, kind of like I was talking about with the pandemic and yeah, yeah just different ways that they can take care of their families, their mm -hmm. neighbors, and the larger community too. It's just fantastic. Yeah. It's how we operate. Yeah. Yeah. I've seen it even in Haiti. It's it oftentimes falls on the shoulder of the women to send their kids to school and put food on the table. And so yeah, empowering women truly does empower a whole community and see a community sure. changed. So as a fellow fair trade business owner, and I know many of our listeners are also business owners, I'm curious how you measure your impact over the years. Like impact in fair trade is so much more than numbers. What's been the most effective way you've been able to measure and communicate your impact to, to the global marketplace? Yeah, I think, I mean, part of it is the largest part of it is honestly relying on the local leaders that are leading up the different cooperatives that we partner with. Mm -hmm. And those cooperatives are, again, prioritizing the full humanity of each artisan partner. They're paying two to four times minimum wage plus health mm -hmm. insurance, educational scholarships, all sorts of good stuff. Wow. But I think also just like the you know, one of the fair trade principles is long-term relationships. And I think really seeing the value of that mm. and seeing individuals' situations improve over yeah. time. Fair Anita, we've been around over eight years now, which, mm. you know, there's some fair trade organizations that have been around five times that and whatnot. But, you know, even just in these eight years, really mm. seeing different 
people's situations improve and how they, you know, send that forward or pay it forward, I guess, to their, yeah. their children and whatnot. We have pretty near constant communication with our artists and partners. So qualitative feedback on, on the larger impact is super helpful, especially mm-hmm. when there's, you know, some kind of natural disaster or something yeah. like that that happens. And then again, we, we report annually to the state. Mm-hmm. One of the things that we do a little bit differently than a lot of fair trade organizations, the, not only just fair trade organizations, but ultimately when, as a fair trade organization, we are kind of challenging how we do storytelling. A lot of times when we're talking about artisan partners, I think there can be a focus on you know, pity or like, okay, Mm -hmm. this person really needs, you know, if you buy these earrings, then you're, you know, saving the life of, Mm -hmm. you know, whoever who really needs water and, you know, whatever Mm -hmm. it is. And while like, that might be true, you know, she needs to get the water and the, you know, the Mm -hmm. (laughs) the payment is going to help all those things. Like, ultimately, I don't think that we should have to share people's personal traumas in order Mm -hmm. to to sell our products. I hope that the products can, can really stand on their own. And yeah, yeah, so we really value consent in, in Mm. storytelling. And that includes when we're communicating our impact as well. Like ultimately Mm. we work with a lot of like change making women who are just Mm. super determined to make their own lives better, to make the lives of their families and communities better. And like, yes, we are a piece of that puzzle, but I can't like claim that mm-hmm. impact by any means, you know, mm-hmm. like that's, that's, that's not us. Like I, yeah. it's, it's a lovely partnership that we have going, but yeah. So I, I think communicating impact can be, can be tricky. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, probably one of the easiest ways, albeit you know, a number is the amount of money that we've like sent to artisan partners that's created more like regenerative income. And then, you know, what, what our partners are doing with that is up up to them and what they need, what resources they need in their own Mm -hmm. lives at that time. So, yeah, no, thank you for sharing. I think as a, as a business, as a fair trade business, it is really important how we bear that responsibility of sharing the stories of the makers. So I love that you take that responsibility really seriously. And also I love what you, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Because you bear them on your shoulders. Like, okay, now how do we communicate in a respectful way? I also love that you shared about the long-term relationships because that's another way we challenge the norm. Like most of the industry, they may work with a factory once or twice and that's it. Mm-hmm. There's no long-term relationship. So it's such a special thing that we can say we've worked with them for, I mean, for you for eight years and, you know, continue to invest in that community. That is something that truly is challenging the norm as well. So powerful. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and it's more complicated, you know, it, yeah. it makes things trickier, but it's worth it. Yeah. That's why we're doing this to exactly. do it differently. Yeah. And we can see a whole community develop which is very rewarding. 
Fair Anita is also a member of Fair Trade Federation, and you recently became the board chair of FTF as well. So you are literally the perfect person to ask for us to ask any questions about FTF. So when we at Fair Trade educate consumers about different Fair Trade logos, we always highlight Fair Trade USA, Fair Trade America, and Fair Trade Federation. And for those who don't know, Fair Trade USA and Fair Trade America are certifiers. So they'll go to the farms and the factories to certify that product and make sure that the whole supply chain of that product it follows the fair trade guidelines. But Fair Trade Federation is a bit different. They certify not just a product, but your company or your business as a whole, including your relationships with all your artisans. You probably will explain this better. <laughs> Tell us a little bit more <laughs> of how Fair Trade Federation is. Yeah, Fair Trade Federation. We've been members now for probably like six years, and mm -hmm. they're Ultimately, the organization, it's a 501c6 trade organization, so we're all members, but the, the team, there's, there's three of them, so it's a small team, but big impact, but mm -hmm. ultimately, yeah, they're not going out and meeting with artisan partners, being on the ground, certifying things, so ultimately, we're a verifying entity, and so as Fairnito, we're a verified fair trade member of the Fair Trade Federation. And we fill out a big old application mm -hmm. and there's references from artisan partners and whatnot. But yeah, mm -hmm. it really is looking at, at your business as a whole as mm -hmm. how you do business. Whereas sometimes some of the certifiers, you're looking at like certain aspects of the business, right? Mm -hmm. it, it might not necessarily be the entire supply chain. So within Fair Trade Federation, yeah, I think their tagline it used to be trade built on trust. Mm. Not that anymore, but mm -hmm. I, it, it's problematic probably for a few reasons, but I, I love that. You know, I think mm. about like our artisan partners and we pay, you know, 50 to hundred percent upfront to our artisan partners. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of trust in that. You know, yeah. a lot of times people are like, well, how often do you see people default on the payments or, you know, you know, sending the products and whatnot. Mm. And it's like literally never it's, yeah. it's trade built on trust. We have these relationships. Yeah. But also the fair trade federation, uh, we have both retail and wholesale members. And so that's mm -hmm. pretty different too. Mm -hmm. So we've got about 215 members right now. And some of those are, yeah, great retail brick and mortar stores that you can mm -hmm. visit around North America. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they, they, as retailers commit to, to selling primarily like fair trade verified mm -hmm. or certified products mm -hmm. and it's a lot of it is on them to really like share the stories of fair trade share the movement of fair trade mm -hmm. you know what it all means mm -hmm. and so they've got a, a big task on their shoulders mm -hmm. and then as wholesalers we we have both wholesalers that work with like food and farmers mm -hmm. and, as well as artisans like like myself that are working more directly with the producers ultimately so it's, it's been really lovely because we have this full, like heart driven community that goes, mm. you know, from the very ground and working with the farmers or with yeah. artisans all through the supply chain to even the retailers yeah. interacting with the final customer. And how do we share that full story mm. and the values that, you know, we all strive to. Yeah, to that really is support. very unique. 
that it's the retail and the wholesale. And I'm sure the the energy and that solidarity is very powerful. It's so good. Yeah. So good. It's one of my favorite things. I can imagine. Love the fair trade community. Now, fair trade is obviously a growing movement. Can you share any insights on new directions or new focuses that Fair Trade Federation is heading towards now? Yeah, absolutely. I think, uh, I don't know about new, but maybe like renewed focus on environmental sustainability in addition to our kind of regular fair trade principles, Mm. making sure different regenerative practices too, Mm. and in terms of using different, you know, local materials and whatnot. Mm -hmm. At the Fair Trade Federation, we also have a very big focus on JEDI, justice, Mm -hmm. equity, diversity, and inclusion, Mm -hmm. and figuring out, you know, how can we really work to include principles of anti-racism and decolonizing trade, Mm -hmm. things like that, into our fair trade movement. I believe that that's that's where we started. The research I've done on fair trade talks about how a lot of it started with people in the U.S. choosing to purchase products that weren't made under slave labor in the U.S. Mm. (laughs) and wanted to make sure people were paid fairly or, you know, not in slavery conditions. And now, of course, it's expanded into what we know as fair trade, partnering Mm. with people all over the world and selling those products and expanding market access and whatnot. And so we really just want to make sure that we're cutting, you know, a a white savior narrative or, you know, a North America savior narrative Mm. or whatever that looks like out of a fair trade movement and making Mm. sure we're really centering on why do we do this? You know, it's, Mm -hmm. and it it really all comes back to the relationships and the community and valuing each other as humans. And yeah. So anyways, it's a, obviously a much longer conversation, but yeah, yeah, we're focusing on these Jedi principles. And so we've looked at how we updated, we actually updated our fair trade principles with this, this more equity, diversity, inclusion lens. Mm. And uh, we've updated our application and Mm. quite a, quite a few things within, within the Fair Trade Federation. I mean, you are the right person leading this, (laughs) this charge to being the board chair. We've got a lovely group of committed individuals for sure. Yeah. I hate to interrupt, but we've got a surprise for you. Even a monthly surprise if you want. Have you been wanting to add more fair trade into your life, but aren't sure where to start? We have an easy way for you to support local fair trade businesses without ever having to leave your home. Our monthly fair package brings the world right to your door. Each month, you'll receive a surprise fair trade product curated from a dedicated ethical business. From artisanal soaps to shade-grown organic coffee, you'll find new fair trade products to love, all while supporting sustainable jobs from around the world. Keep your surprise for yourself or give it to a loved one. Did we mention it's super affordable? Subscribe for only $10 a month. Snag yours now at fairtrailaid.org backslash fair package. Then sit back, relax, and eagerly wait for your delivery. Now, let's get back to the show. Now, I've seen the application process. It is a very, very intense one, which is great because 
Yeah, Fair Trade Federation is verifying and ensuring these businesses are following the fair trade principles. But it could also be very intimidating to small fair trade businesses to start this process. Mm -hmm. So I guess from your experience, would you recommend small businesses to consider joining Fair Trade Federation? And what are some of the benefits of being a part of this community? Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> I don't say this like from, you know, my role within the board, but honestly, having started Farinita and feeling like kind of alone in that, mm -hmm. like I was trying to build what I felt like was a better business. And mm -hmm. it felt like a lot of times people were, could only focus on like different mentors I had, for example, I felt like they were only focusing on either a, like a business aspect or on like more of a humanitarian aspect, but ultimately like people within the fair trade federation know that fair trade in, in really involves both of these mindsets, right? Mm. Uh, our business has grown dramatically since joining. I think when I joined the fair trade federation, I had about probably about 20 different businesses selling our products retailers. And now we're at almost 1600, wow. 15, 1600 retailers selling our product. And so, and I, I can say that at least 500 of those are like directly because we mm -hmm. joined the Fair Trade Federation because there's different stores that, yeah. you know, look at the FTF when they're, or, you know, if they, if they know that they want to have fair trade products within their store, they go to the FTF and they look at different members and learn mm -hmm. about us in that way. And then there's some different stores that, you know, will only carry you if mm -hmm. you're a fair trade verified brand. So yeah, it's grown our business dramatically and it's just yeah. been super helpful to have other business owners that get it and can lend their experience to what we're going through. The application itself absolutely is hefty <laughs> <laughs> for sure. But I, I think it's like, it's a strange it's kind of like a growth activity in and of itself, you know, That's it true. can help you like think That's about your true. business in a different way right away. Like yeah. it literally can help you improve your business operations as you're filling out the questions and be like, That's wait, true. I haven't thought about this piece yet. Mm -hmm. You know, it provides and a great guideline. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we are hoping like, you don't have to be perfect to join the fair trade federation. You know, the, the mm -hmm. goal is that like, this is where, you know, the business operations need to be at a, at a, at a certain level of ethics and sustainability, mm. of course. But then from there, it's like, we all want to like push each other to be better mm. and grow. And then last, yeah, I think, no, definitely it is a lot easier to become a member when you're still a small business than mm. waiting until you've grown. I know like for us, so I work with women in nine different countries, right? Yeah. If 19 different cooperatives. Okay. So yeah. I need, but it wasn't 19 cooperatives when I first applied to the FTS. Yeah. So I had to like share information of all the different cooperatives we're working with and all that kind of stuff. But at the time it was fewer. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so my application would be like four times as long yeah, now. And so, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the application insight. is easier when you're smaller but then also like once you're a part of it too it's like you've got this community of cheerleaders to mm. that are we're all just like ready to help you grow our community is really good at 
collaboration and like, you know, coopetition is <laughs> something that executive director says frequently. But yeah, we, we genuinely all want to see each other succeed, mm-hmm. uh, which I think is true of the larger fair trade movement as well, mm-hmm. but not, not normal in business for sure. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And I'm sure thanks to STF, I've seen Farinita products in many stores here in Los Angeles. So that's a big deal. Thanks. Yeah. Thanks. thanks. Well, what a perfect segue into the big announcement that Fairtrade Federation is making. You're hosting your first in-person conference and expo since 2019, and you guys chose Los Angeles to be the host city, which is so exciting. So it's actually happening at the end of March, March 28th to 30th. So that's yeah. this is the perfect place to come to if you want to learn more about the Fair Trade Federation. Now, can you tell us what we can expect at this conference and expo? Yeah, <laughs> I'm so excited to be in person again. It's honestly like I look forward to the conference all year. We will have some amazing sessions, some great opportunities to like connect with one another like networking but like more lovey-dovey you know mm-hmm. um we're gonna have a couple of like really good parties too mm-hmm. so I'm here for that one fun part is the fair trade expo so a lot of wholesale members will exhibit some of their products and it's really fun to see the diversity of the community through the product mm-hmm. got some really good sessions some of the ones I'm most excited for are ethical storytelling my friend mm-hmm. Manfred Kaur Cholera will be leading that and she is brilliant. So mm. I will definitely be in that one. There's going to be a session on successful collaboration with fair trade producer groups. Mm. There is, there's a number of different FTF members collaborating to put on that session. Mm. There's one, I think that's specific for retailers about using metrics to grow the success of your shop. Mm. I love a, you know, data-driven decisions. Mm-hmm. And then we've got both a keynote and a session from someone named Funmi Arawa. And she is talking about the impact of colonialism in trade, mm-hmm. which, yeah, I cannot wait to <laughs> that learn be from good her. One. So yeah, yeah, yeah it's going to be, it's going to be great. And then the FTF did decide to extend a special 20% off discount for Fair Trade Los Angeles and Fair Trade Long Beach members. Yay. So, yay. <laughs> yeah. For you, y'all to join us. It's going to be, yes. it's going to be great. I can't wait. Yeah. So if you're interested in getting this discount code, this exclusive discount code, email us at hello at fairtradela.org. Yeah. So I can't wait to see you there in person, Joy. This is going to be so exciting. <laughs> So I, think, fun. I think we're doing a day trip to Fairtrade Long Beach store too. So that's going to be fun. Yeah. Ooh. More to come on that. Now we like to end every episode with a fun question and a difficult one. <laughs> what is your favorite Fairtrade product from Farinita? At least your current favorite. <laughs> yeah, that is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's kind of an impossible question, I you, know. like especially when you're the one working with yeah. artisans. It's like you know the people behind each product. Yes. Like, you know, choosing a favorite child. But exactly. um, no, we're just in the process of launching our new spring collection, and so Ooh. I've just had a lot of fun wearing some of our 
our new pieces and styling them in different ways. We've got a couple convertible necklaces that you can wear as like one, two, or three strands. And then you can like combine mm, it with your other favorite necklaces and they don't get tangled. And yeah. yeah, those have been fun. And I'm always about the big statement earrings too. So yes. we've got quite a few of those included in our spring collection also. Awesome. All made from recycled materials, of course. Yeah. That's our whole vibe. Yes. <laughs> We also like to end our episode by asking our guests, what is one simple action step our listeners can do after listening to this episode to help create a more equitable world? Hmm. I don't, I'm not going to say it's simple, (laughs) which is not the point of your question, but (laughs) I really think like trying to stay away from some of this like trauma porn (laughs) and working to build more like genuine connections with others and valuing people for their full humanities as opposed Mm. to their full humanity as opposed to yeah you know a certain experience that they've gone through or you know especially if you know if it's a traumatic experience that they didn't they didn't choose for themselves Mm. um yeah I think our society right now and historically has, has become pretty addicted to, Mm. you know, what's, what's the most, the next traumatic thing going on in the world. And yeah, I think looking past some of that and really centering us again on people's humanities, I think could bring our world a long way. So that is beautiful. Kind of a Debbie Downer at the end of a episode. (laughs) Sorry, but no, that's, that's beautifully said. Celebrating women. Yes. Celebrating women, cheering other ladies on, doing the thing. International Women's Day every day. Yes. Yes. (laughs) So good. So good. Thank you so much for joining us, Joy. And if you. you guys want to meet joy in person just come to the fair trade federation conference <laughs> i will be on the dance floor yes <laughs> and would love to see you all there. <laughs> awesome thank you i hope you enjoyed this amazing conversation with joy she is so fun to talk to and i can't wait to see her and many other Fairtrade businesses at the Fairtrade Federation Conference in Los Angeles. Now, are you ready to support women around the world? Joy is giving you 10% off at fairanita.com with our exclusive discount code FTLA. As always, you'll be able to find this discount code and all the links mentioned in this episode in our show notes at fairtradela.org podcast. Bye for now. I want to thank the creative team behind the Fair Talks podcast, our executive producer, Juliette Bucquerel, our editor, Caden Sullivan, our marketing team, Jasmine French, Elena Alcero, and Lizzie Case. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Fair Talks podcast. Thank you for being a part of our community and sharing the fair trade message. Thank you again to our sponsor, Fairtrade USA, for making this possible. Now, are you ready to create change? The next time you're out shopping, just pick up one Fairtrade item to buy, like coffee, chocolate, or bananas, and make a difference. Ask your office, church, business, school, or your family to shop more fair. 
If you have any questions or want to learn more, head over to fairtradela.org slash podcast for show notes, discount codes, and additional resources. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast so you never miss an episode. And follow us on social media at FairTradeLA to join our amazing community of fair trade lovers. Tune in to our next Fair Talks conversation to hear more life-changing stories. Thanks for listening.